Hey listeners, did you know that Yogi Triathlete offers endurance coaching for body and mind? We offer personalized training plans for endurance sports, wellness and mindset, nutrition and recovery guidance, and race preparation and strategy, all within the supportive community of Team Yogi Triathlete. So if you're ready to conquer your fitness goals and push your limits, our endurance coaches are ready to guide you on the journey to peak performance. Go to yogitriathlete.com today to set up your free 30-minute discovery call and embrace a future of strength, stamina, and achievement. Your goals, our experience, the perfect match for unstoppable success. If we all started to, to trust and tap into what it is that we believe we can do and then pursue that relentlessly, you would see much more of it. Because we're all similar in ways that we have a drive. We have that that desire you just mentioned, but we don't always act on it. And so, another theme I've been talking about with athletes is having the inspiration, but taking action on that inspiration is a missing step that we forget a lot. So we can swirl around all we want and dream about this inspiration of where we want to go, but if we're not taking action steps to move ourselves closer to that, we're going to be in the dream state for a very long time. The relationship between breath and thoughts. When we start to move the breath consciously, we break up that pattern. As we break up that pattern, we also break up thought patterns because now our attention is on the breath and not on the thoughts. And that begins to create that space between stimulus and response. Welcome to the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. I'm Jess. I'm here with my business partner, my soulmate, and my podcast co-host for our November 2023 Osho. So psyched to have you here with us. It is 8.17 a.m. in the morning, and I'm just indulging in my first cup of coffee. It's a beautiful day on the horizon. Beej and I both are getting ready to teach our yoga classes on Wednesday mornings. But first, we're going to spend the next hour with you. So thanks so much for tuning in. We know you have a choice. And um, you guys have been loyal listeners since 2016, and we're incredibly grateful. Thank you. You are the fuel that uh, urges us to continue with the show every week. So we will. Yeah, 300 plus episodes. We're approaching 400. Yeah, I think this one's going to be, I don't know, 380 something or could be 390. Every week. Ooh, who should be our 400? Oh, yeah. We love to do this, right? Like we as humans, like, oh, 400. We have to have someone super special on. Um, Everybody that we have on is super special. And that includes you, BJ. Um, Who should we have on? Who do you guys want to hear from for our 400th episode, which will be right after the new year if we're probably in January. So let us know. Let us know if you have any ideas. And also, just let us know if you have any ideas. Like, some of you are so great in bringing us guests, and it's really, really helpful because it's just Beej and I, you know, procuring these guests uh, over the over the years. As our wonderful Linda Lang, who was helping us with the podcast, has landed her dream job, which is fantastic. But I am um, 
you know, taken that role again and perfectly timed with the launch of the book because I really needed Linda to be able to write that book and all the help that she gave us. So all the help that you can give us, any amazing people, they don't have to be famous. They could be famous. Um, we just want to share these stories of people looking, finding and living their purpose. So yeah, DM us with your ideas. We love to hear them. Yeah. I, I'm, I can't even think of, of who possibly to, to bring on, but I'm sure that person will fall into our, our laps, just like Mike Riley did for our 100th episode. That was so perfect as we landed here in Southern California where Mike resides um, and has been on for a second time. So yeah, it doesn't matter if you're you know famous or not famous. We love telling, sharing these stories. I talk about these stories. They're actually a, a thread that I pull on Sometimes in my yoga classes, I'll share a guest or a conversation or even just a piece of the conversation that uh, resonates and bring that into my class. Clark is perfectly laid outside of his bed now (laughs) in between the mics, super close to the wires. He's essentially laying on the veins of the sound for this show. Let me take a photo of it. It's so... Wonderful because it's just remaining present as he was leaning up against the audio interface, like the connection to my computer that's capturing this audio right now. And he just never (laughs) ceases to want to lay right on top of all the wires, whether we have a guest here or not. It doesn't matter. He's like pressed right up against the microphone. Like everything's about to, we are on the razor's edge of this entire show going down. So we'll see what happens. So right cl- now, we're fine. Right now, we're In fine. In this moment, everything is okay. Yeah, and that's what we keep coming back <laughs> But there's to. a part of me that's like, why is he here? Like, why does he have to lay here when he has a $240 bed? Doesn't matter why. Three inches away. Doesn't matter why. Doesn't matter why. Bob told us, doesn't matter why. <laughs> Just doesn't matter. Oh, man. A fruitless journey. I don't journey. even know where we were. Yeah, I don't know where to begin. Where do you want to begin? Well, you just landed back from your trip, and you didn't get the greeting that you had no, Clark's, expected. No, Clark's greeting was pretty subpar, as it has become evident in recent years that I am his person. And typically, when you come and pick me up at the airport, um, yeah, he's excited. You know, he's he lives in, in the moment, so um, he's pretty excited to see me. But typically he climbs from the back seat into the front seat and just snuggles with me for the whole ride home. And he didn't. And, um, and then of course, when I opened up my suitcase, there was a full, full on investigation because my parents have adopted my 90 year old mother who's edging into 91 and my 88 year old father who have had dogs their entire life. They lost their dog uh, less than a year ago. And my mom was just so distraught. She was like, I mean, they were distraught over the loss, but they've been through it so many times. It's, you know, it was more of the distraught of not having a dog in the house. It was so empty. And uh, this is actually a really good story in the art of manifestation. My mom is, I've talked about her on this podcast before. She's a force. She's an absolute force. And she knew exactly what she wanted. She wanted a yellow lab, about 10 years old, female, full bred. Okay. So whatever your opinions are about that, 
that's not really the point of the story. The point of the story is a woman who remained focused on what she wanted. And even my sister and I, who know the force that my mother is, we're like, mom, you know, like, why don't you open up your mind a little bit? There's other dogs out there. Like there's all these dogs that need homes. Like why? And she's like, I know what I want. And I'm, and, and God, she's like, God's going to bring me that dog. I know exactly what I want. So now here we are. I just spent 11 days with Evie, who is a 10-year-old female, full-bred, yellow lab, who ended up at the MSPCA as a result of a divorce. And my mom was walking into a grocery store as somebody was walking out with a shirt that said MSPCA. My mom just, she said she got this hit of like, do you work there? And the woman's like, yeah. And she goes, I'm looking for a 10 year old female, full bred yellow lab. And she goes, one just came in yesterday. Like this dog is not going to last. And so in the car they went and then, you know, two of them went and three of them came home. And so anyway, um, I fell in love with this dog. She's incredible. She has so much life in her. If you follow me on Instagram, then you saw I was posting videos of her. And um, so when I came home, Clark was like up and down my suitcase because he knew that there was there was something up. So little side story there about the art of manifestation, like stay focused on what you want, stay focused on what feels aligned and you will be challenged along the way. You will be challenged. There'll be so much evidence that you're not going to get it. Keep going. Just keep going and trust the timing. I love the, the focus and concentration element of, of what your mom demonstrated, but also let's back up. So someone's listening to this, they're like, yeah, but I can't focus and I can't concentrate. It's like really challenging to, to do that. And that's, that's true. Like there are a lot of things happening, thoughts and activities and stuff drawing our attention away. And I think about my yoga class because we're going to be teaching yoga after this. And I was just thinking, even last night, I had them try to focus just for three breaths. Focus and concentrate on your fingers, like in Warrior Two, just for that brief moment. And I could see the fidgeting. I could see the looking away. I could see the looking at the back arm to see if it was, you know, in line. So all these things are still pulling your attention away in that short period of time. So my what I'm getting at here is like begin begin small with focus and concentration. Like get really good at just being able to do little bits of it. And then you can expand to more moments, minutes of it, maybe hours of it. We're actually like focused and concentrating. And an element to that too, which I'm sure you're, you'll address is meditation. Like putting yourself in a place where you're sitting still and watching all that stuff happen. So yoga is a great practice to merge, I think, awareness um, on what's happening and, and working through the thoughts that keep appearing while you're getting in a practice. So we're not making you sit still for meditation. You're actually in the practice of yoga, which has a little bit of movement to it. But you can have both. You can be moving and be focused, but you can also sit still and be focused. So maybe this this element of what your mom has, and I know I know your mom well, so I know she's, you know, the focus and concentration to be still is probably challenging. But in if you look at it from the 10,000 foot view, what she manifested, there were many moments of focus and concentration with some ebbs and flows in there of distraction and 
and, and looking elsewhere. Yeah. I think, um, my mom is a doer, uh, to, uh, it took probably one day, uh, about 30 minutes from the time that she said, let's meditate to the time that she actually sat down to meditate. And it was interesting just to watch it, you know, like it was like cleaning the coffee maker. And I'm like, what if you didn't clean the coffee maker right now? What if you actually just sat for meditation and she craves it? She really craves it. Um, and so when we did, I think we did like three meditations together. We did a couple different techniques and afterwards, you know, like everyone does goes, Oh my God, yes. Why don't I do more of that? But one thing that my mom has um, is a really strong faith that she will be supported no matter what challenge she's experiencing in life. And I think that, you know, she's taught me that from an early age, which has um, allowed me to really take a lot of risks in life, knowing that there is um, a bigger plan that's playing out and that I'm loved and that I'm held and I will be challenged, but I'll also be supported. Uh, but I want to speak a little bit to this. Um, yeah. Like the three breaths. That's really tough. Like it's really tough to really concentrate, to use your will to concentrate the mind for three full breaths. So one of the things I think is a really helpful technique, probably one of my favorite techniques I don't talk about a lot actually is interval training for the mind. This is one of my favorite, I think, and most effective mind training tools. I've got, uh, I think it's a 15 minute interval training session on the Awake Athlete website. If you just go to awakeathlete.com under meditations, you'll see the interval training. And essentially what it does is it gives you um, a sense of what it feels like, just the difference between pure focus of the mind and then the mind at, at like rest. And I'm not saying the mind at rest as in meditation, but just like, just rest the mind, like let it go wherever it wants to go. So it's like, a, I think for that one, it's a shorter one. So I, we might do a minute on a minute off. So like for one minute, it's using, it's sharpening your skill of concentration on the, on a mantra. And then one minute, just rest the mind, let it do whatever it wants. And then right back into it. So it's kind of like, and this segues into a conversation I want to have with you about something that you just put out there into the world. You may or may not know what I'm talking about. Um, that like walking the aid stations and then getting back into the run, right? It's kind of like that. In interval training, we do that with our bodies all the time. Why are we not doing that with our minds? So I love this because it, it, it really begins to have you metabolize the feeling of what it feels like to concentrate and what it feels like not to concentrate. Because like with all contrast, right? How can we know joy unless we know sorrow, right? So same thing. If that is curious to you, go over there. I've got a bunch of meditations up there. The interval training is a really effective tool. And uh, if you give it a shot, I'd love to hear how it goes for you. And it could be a mess. So if it is, let it be a mess, but keep at it, keep at it, keep at it. Like nobody PRs their marathon, um, on their first run, you know, you, it's a practice. So what I was alluding to is you put out there on Instagram that you're going for your fastest Ironman yet at 50. Well, you'll be 51 by the time it happens. You're 50 now. And, uh, you've also been documenting it on Patreon for, uh, you amazing folks that are supporting the podcast and helping us keep it commercial free. 
And that's for all paid members? All paid members. Uh, so as little as $5 a month. And you can get this insight into uh, what your experience is. So I guess my first question is, at 50 years old, how does it feel? What did it feel like to put that out there? Because someone might just look at your post and go, oh, that's great. But when you really put yourself into those shoes, like, I just put this out there into the world. Like, how did that feel when you did that? And was there hesitation? Like, oh, I'm not going to do it. It was exciting. It actually made me think about where I've been in the past of being afraid to put stuff out into there, out into the world. And because that's when you actually have to commit to it because now other people are on board. And I had this conversation with an athlete too, being that person in the past who would sign up for a race and then have another race and another race as backup in case things didn't happen in that first race. And no, long, no wonder it took me so long to qualify uh, for the championships because I kept giving myself an out and out. And that's how I perceive it. You could also look at it as, well, you know, you're giving yourself some security, but I still think that that's an out. Oh yeah. No, I a hundred percent agree. When I finally decided to just sign up for one race, race it, and then decide on the next race and not caring if it had the race I was thinking about had already sold out, everything would present itself to me. So I just raced the race and then made it, made a decision on what's next. So when I started to do that, things started to accelerate and I was hitting 10, 20 at an Ironman pretty consistently. So yeah, it felt exciting. It felt super exciting to put it out there. And I don't have any, I have, I shouldn't say any, a tiny, tiny bit of fear, it, like less than 1%, I would say. But it's more about excitement. It's more about ex- really, just really feeling I want to put myself into a position where I just don't know what's going to happen. Like I'm going to do all the training possible as I always do and more uh, or maybe less. I'm sure we'll get into because things are looking a little bit different in this lead up already. But I'm just excited to see what all of it is going to show me on that day. Like what is it like to go hard on the swim from the start and hard on the bike from the start and hard on the run from the start and just have an experience. Of course, there's strategy and pacing but the goal is not to finish the Ironman. The goal is to have my fastest Ironman. So I'm going to bump up against the patterns and habits that I have built over 20 years and 19 Ironmans that say, oh, you've been here before. So you just need to, you just need to you know, pull back a little bit. In those moments are the moments where I'm going to get my fastest Ironman because I'm not going to fall back. I'm not going to hold back. It's those moments where you bump up right there that you say, I need to go further. I need to keep going. Everything that's in my mind that says stop, I'm not that. I need to keep throttling the pedal and keep pushing forward. So that excites me. That really excites me. And already I'm excited uh, just with the situation of my body, you know, things that I'm working through and, um, and, the, and the actual training that I've done for the past two weeks. So I'm excited. That's to answer your question. I know that was long winded, but I'm excited. I'm curious. What have you butted up against already? Oh, by far volume. (laughs) Right away. Volume more. I want to do more. I want to do more. 
I don't need to do more. I don't. If you look at it, again, from a 10,000 foot view, endurance is not my problem. It's never been a problem. I can go, you know this, you've told me this, people have told me this, I can go for a long time. So why am I continually going long? Practicing putting myself in long days. I know I can do that. So where am I missing or where is there a gap that I can fill with something else? And so that's what I've been focused on. So already going into week two, video dropping today uh, in Patreon, I've already bumped up against wanting to ride more. I'm only riding three times per week. And actually, I'll be completely honest, I did a fourth ride last week on the trainer for 30 minutes because I just felt like spinning the legs. So I've already done what I see my athletes do sometimes is do extra. (laughs) I'm like, why? But I get it. Like You just want to move the body. You feel like more is better. So stick to the plan. Stick to the plan. And this... um this biking three days a week, who, where does, where did this come from? So I have long time been a friend with Kevin Portman here in, um, in Carlsbad. He actually was on our podcast. I think the first year or two we were yeah, here I, before he turned professional. Before he turned pro. Yeah. Yeah. Kev's great. Um, he's Bentley's dad who <laughs> Bentley is, uh, one of Clark's best friends. Yeah, so we're collaborating a little bit on uh, my biking. And so sticking to doing (laughs) what's prescribed in the plan, actually doing it. Um, And so with that guidance, I'm just literally sticking to these three rides per week. And two are intense and one is easy. And I think it bumps up this week to four rides. But all of this is all available on Patreon. Like I'm sharing the you know the numbers i'm sharing my thoughts i'm sharing my nutrition actually next week i think i'm going to share my playlist of Whoa. what i use on the trainer um, oomps, 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 yeah a lot oomps, of emd oomps, music oomps. you and renee <laughs> kiley music i mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah renee, renee kiley um yeah. how did it um yeah i mean and kevin is a really strong biker and he's a great coach um he's an incredible athlete and so he's, he's taking you, well, first of all, I think it's really cool how it all kind of came about is, um, Kevin's a new dad and he's taking he's taking strolls through the village with his son Atlas, um, which is like the coolest name ever. And, um, and we just keep running into him and I just love how the universe organizes right on your behalf. So then you start talking and he says that he sees the post that you put out there and, and he offers to give you some honest feedback and you guys are friends and, you know, how did it feel to just receive from him, um, you know, in this collaboration? Yeah, that's always been, it's always been an interesting component for me, you know, like, because I love the the exchange of currency that you talk about and it can be whatever it is. There has to be some exchange, you know, to keep people honest and to keep people committed. And I think this is why when we started on early, we were like taking the marketing aspects of what we would do in our, the hospitality industry that we were so ingrained in where you offer free stuff, but it may, it doesn't really apply in, in, in the scenario of coaching. I don't believe in training because there's no accountability. There's, there's this, 
missing piece to it. So whatever the exchange is, I don't care what the exchange is, but there's some exchange. And that's important to me um, because otherwise you're going to wake up that morning and you're going to be like, well, I got to work out here, but I don't really have to do it. I know the workout I need to do. I'm going to switch to this one and I'll do it later in the afternoon. And then there's no really real accountability. So I love the, the exchange and, and that's really important. And I think back to, I think back to, you know, the, um, the COVID times when we had to swim in the lagoon and we didn't have pools and I was showing up with Kevin two or three times a week, swimming circles around the buoys constantly, me chasing him, him chasing me. And then the one race that was available was Arizona 70.3 that year. And we were able to race it. And I had my fastest swim to date. Uh, so it just goes to show like when you have a training partner or you, you, you have a, a close knit community that you trust and can engage with, um, it really does have a, a lasting effect. Um, and so I believe we're both benefiting from from the, from the relationship. And that's important to me. Oh yeah. I think that there's an obvious exchange there, um, in your camaraderie and in your friendship, um, in your conversations, what he offers you and what you offer him. It's, it's really beautiful. So has this been contagious at all with any of your athletes? I'm curious to know, like I've been gone for 11 days, so I don't know what's been going down here. Um, but are any of your athletes like, uh, well, they're not your, you don't own them. Like any of the athletes that you have the honor to coach, <laughs> let's put it that way. Um, once we start t- taking ownership, it gets a little weird. Um, yeah. Has it been contagious to anyone? Is anyone like, I want to do my fastest? Yeah. I got a few texts after the first video launched, uh, and I promoted it on our Facebook live that I do every Monday. And I got some texts that day. I think I got two texts that day from athletes. And so it, it inspired or ignited something in them that says, Oh, I want that too. I want that too. So we're working. And and since then a few other athletes have reached out to plan some big things for 2024 and are ready to commit to, you know, what it will take to do that, which means follow the plan. Okay. You want to talk about that too? Yeah. What, what would it, what does it take? Um, cause I don't want to get into too much detail, uh, about what you're doing. Cause I know you're sharing that in your video, so I don't want to be redundant, but what does it take? So, you know, athlete a texts you and says, I want to do my fastest Ironman this year too. Now, now not only are you doing it for yourself, but now you're guiding someone to do it. What does it take? What does it take um, nutritionally, mentally, physically, what does it take? Well, first mentally, you really got to get the mind on board. You got to believe it. Do you believe you can achieve this goal? And we're going to start there uh, because there's no use in talking about the numbers. That's really what it comes down to when someone reaches for something big. Like there's a, there's a, a comparison, a number, like for me, I got to do my fastest Ironman. So I have to beat a certain time, 10, 20. You have to be, um, so 10, tw- is 10, 20 the fastest? 10, 20 is the fastest. Okay. 10, 19, 10, 20. Uh, I think it was like, there. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, and to take it one step further to get to Kona, a slot at Texas, it's going to take more than just beating 10, 20. It's going to take beating 10 hours. Yeah. So it's a big gap. It's a big, 
Yeah, big chunk. But go big. Like, why? Go big, right. Yeah. But to to talk about numbers with someone who's, or with an athlete whose mind is not on board is only going to create more uh, angst and stress and anxiousness that, oh my God, I have to do that much. So your relationship to those numbers is super important. So uh, that's where we start. We start with getting the mind on board. We, I, I ask, you know, do you believe that this is possible? Do you believe that you have what it takes? And so with athletes, getting the, the mind on board is the critical piece in this, getting the buy-in, the belief, the trust that they can achieve this goal. And if, the, if we start to introduce numbers and times, that only adds pressure and anxiousness and stress and a doubt and fear. And if you aren't able to work with those thoughts and beliefs and emotions, then you're, you're going to be on this journey with one foot out the door, like one foot outside. You're not going to be all in. And what it takes to achieve big and great things, in my experience, is to be all in. So again, don't have a backup race. Go all into the race and commit yourself to the process and journey to get yourself there. And then trust it, again, trusting that this journey is going to ebb and flow. You're going to find a super great groove. You're going to find six weeks of just, this is awesome. Like I see myself, you know, achieving this goal. And then injury, sickness, travel, family circumstances all flood in. And then that is the pivotal moment where do you drop everything? And is it all or nothing? Or do you keep momentum going and find a way to do something? Just something. 15 minutes, you guys know this, 15 minutes, less than 1% of your day, something, because that momentum will keep the energy and spirit alive to get you through whatever you're working through. And then get on the other side of that, four or five days later, now you're back into the routine. Those little blocks right there, those are probably, in my opinion, the most critical moments of attaining this, this big goal. So I've already bumped up against it myself in having, you know, sensation in the body in certain areas and I'm doing what I can to keep moving forward, whatever that takes. So I think the mind has to be on board. Number one, you got to get the mind on board. Yeah. Bob has taught us about the different types of desires and I think there's three types of desires and one of those is an unrealistic desire. And so that unrealistic desire is, I want to do my fastest Ironman or marathon, but they're, they're not doing the work to get the mind on board. So doubt is creeping in and it's decaying the belief that they can do it because they're not going to say, I want to do it if there isn't a hint of belief in there that they can do it. But, but the, if we're not nullifying the doubt, if we're not training the mind to focus on what we want and not on what we don't want, then um, then the desire then becomes unrealistic. And exactly what you said, it, it creates or not creates, but it elicits the attunement to anxiousness, to worry, to I'm not enoughness, all of those things. And it creates a lot of uh, you step into a lot of stress leading into the event. So you have to work on the belief and know that when you're going for something that you've never done before, you're going to have resistance and that can come in the form of doubt. And so you have to, in those moments, 
You have to be able to see the doubt and you do that by training the mind, training the mind, train the mind, train the mind, train the, training the mind is not going to extinguish the doubt, but it's going to allow you to see it and to see how enticing it is to indulge in it. And it's going to give you the wherewithal to say, oh man, here it is. Here's the doubt. Here's the derailment. I need to feel what I'm feeling, but I need to also redirect my mind away from the, the doubtful thoughts and onto something else. My breath, a mantra, um, you know, what I'm doing right now, washing the dishes, you know, whatever it is. So you're disengaging your attention from the doubt. And then when you do that, that doubt will extinguish actually in that moment. It will transmute. And, um, but if we're not onto that, if we haven't created that space between stimulus and response, we're just going to be caught up in the swirl of the mind stuff. And then we're going to tune ourselves more towards like, oh my God, what if I don't do it? Oh, can I do it? Oh gosh, I got this whole family thing on the holidays and, oh, I just, I'm not going to be able to do it. Like I'll just push it off to the next event. So yeah, the belief is massive. It's, it's huge. And you have to, you have to caress that belief and you have to nurture that belief and you have to align your thoughts with that belief. And then, you know, it'll, you'll get sure-footed in, in the experience. And then the excitement of doing something that you've never done before, like you're worthy of it. You can do it. And if you had that hit that you wanted to do it, that wasn't there by happenstance. Like that was there because you can do it. You can in fact do anything that you put your mind to. Yeah. They, I'm glad you, you went down that route because the evidence of now for most of us and for most athletes is that what I'm seeing, what I'm doing is not, is not translating to where I need to go. So they're focused on the evidence of now injury, uh, whatever it is, uh, lack of access to a pool. You know, these are all real things. Time. But you've got to, tr- again, trust, right? Trust in that, what this hit that you had. Everybody has that. I think everybody in the world has a, a sense of something inside that says, I know I can be better. I know there's something I need to achieve. But the majority of us don't pursue that because of all the things that you just mentioned, the fear, the doubt, the the patterns that we have, the habits, the the unt- untrained mind uh, is just flowing on what it what it believes and what it sees right now. So this is why we're only seeing few people go and explore these epic events, adventures, outcomes, these amazing things. If we all started to, to trust and tap into what it is that we believe we can do, and then pursue that relentlessly you would see much more of it because we're, we're all similar in ways that we have a drive. We have that, that desire you just mentioned, but we don't always act on it. And so another theme I've been talking about with athletes is having the inspiration, but having the um, taking action on that inspiration is a missing step that we forget a lot. So we can swirl around all we want and dream about this inspiration of where we want to go but if we're not taking action steps to move ourselves closer to that, we're, we're going to be in the dream state for a very long time. So we want to put dreams into reality. And to do that, it takes action. So, and, and what are these steps for action? Um, I have an athlete that is so committed to doing their first triathlon 
It's going to be an Ironman. And they're just taking step by step, taking the action. Okay, I need to, what do I need to do? Okay, I need to get running shoes. What kind of running shoes do I get? Okay, well, now I need to save up. Okay, now I got the running shoes. Okay, these don't work. I'm going to try another pair. Now they've got the pair that works. Okay, great. Got that dialed in. Then I need to, okay, I need to get a bike. All right, what do I need to do to get a bike? In over three, four months, we've gotten to the process of now she's getting a bike. Yeah, can I just say um, that this athlete is now, I think, probably from the time, how long have you been working with her? Maybe like nine months or so? Nine months, almost, yeah, I want to say. And her Ironman is still a year away. So she gave her, she signed up, started coaching, and a lot of the coaching hasn't even been working out. Like the first six months was you guys talking every week and starting to lay the groundwork. So this woman is brilliant because she's giving herself the time to say, okay, these sneakers don't work. All right, what's next? What's next? Um, and so there's no like haste in or rush towards an Ironman. She's giving it its due respect, which I think is so important. And we talked about that. Mm, I don't know, a couple months ago on this show, like give it its respect. So that was my next point is to start early. Yeah. Really important to start early, start laying the groundwork, find out the flow of your life. I think we've talked about this. I I, I have so many times, like start early, train the mind, uh, find your running routes, find the pools that work that are not working, find the flow in your schedule and life and, you know, take time to, to, to see how meals um, land with you before a workout, after a workout, like get all that dialed in months, months in advance of, of your event so that you can really dial in and find a routine where things work. And then you have that new routine and that's been in place for months before you get to the race. That's amazing. Yeah. (laughs) A really perfect (laughs) template for success. It's like, don't start to dial those things in when you're starting the training, like take months before and dial those things in as the training is still low, um, low volume and not so, cause it's a lot to train for an Ironman. It's a lot. Yeah. And you have these ideas and I love the excitement of athletes that want to do this long distance, uh, experience, this, this challenge. And I love their energy, but most often they come with like, all this, like they believe they have all this time to train. And so sifting and sorting through those first few months of what actual time you have to train based on getting to the pool and showering and dropping the kids off and work travel and holidays and, and getting that really dialed in. So if you had this vision of, yeah, I've got 20 hours to train. And then after a few months, you realize you really only have eight to 10 to be realistic then we really want to focus on that eight and 10 and maybe expand it as your schedule ebbs and flows, but get that core in and, and really embrace that as this is the work that needs to be done for me right now. This pie in the sky time really isn't doable based on everything that I have. And so that exploration process happens over months versus someone coming to me and saying, I've got 20 hours. And then you're really trying to force 20 hours in because that's what they believe they have. And when they don't hit it, they start to get frustrated and things drop off and the, the spirit is kind of deflated a little bit because they can't even get to that 20 hours because they have this belief in their head that 20 hours is the magical number. Um, 
So I love the early setup process. And, and to go back to this athlete, it's inspired. Uh, we're going to do a first-timers race at Ironman Arizona next November. So the race is happening this weekend as this podcast is getting recorded. I'm going down myself to go support an athlete who's doing their first one. But in 2024, I've got two athletes. A team has two athletes so far that are doing Ironman Arizona 2024 as their first Ironman. And I would love to expand and open this up to more athletes to get on board so that we're all doing this together as a community. Uh, It's a really friendly one to, to do for your first one. I know the course super well. I've done it a bunch of times. And um, go there almost every year. So now is the perfect time to start. So when? Now. You've got a whole year <laughs> to prepare and get ready for for an Ironman if that's, if that's on your heart. But also you don't have to do a full. You can do you know, a half or something else that is challenging. So let's circle back to going after big things and big challenges. Find out what it is that you want to do first. Step one, get the mind on board and then come up with uh, a plan with your coach, me or Melissa, mm-hmm. you know, and if you want to dive into that mindset first, here's a great thing that Yogi Triathlete offers is that you can start just working with Jess one-on-one Just start there. You don't even have to start, just do the training that you're doing and get your mind invested in this journey by working with, um, working with Jess directly and then transitioning over to incorporating the training Involved. Um, that's what some athletes have done already, and we encourage them to do. Yeah, I, th- I find that's a really good recipe. We start working on the mind. Um, maybe you're, you know, you're feeling like you want a coaching change, but you know, you're still in it and it's working. It's like, and, and this has been the case. And so we start working on the mind, and then it's like this really smooth transition into working with Melissa or working with you, BJ, where you guys are carrying on the, the mind training. Um, and some people continue to work with both of us, like as a team and that's, that's ideal. But, um, but when you can get that foundation mentally locked down and then step into the physical training as opposed to the physical training and then trying to, and then locking the mind down, it's like, you can lock the mind down first, like, that is such a recipe for success because it's going to allow you to ride all those waves with more mastery, with more control. Like you're in charge of your mind. And I love this idea of, um, the myth of the myth of choice. I talk about it in awake athlete, the book and Diane Collins, who wrote a book, do you quantum think, uh, it's a great book. And she talks about the myth of choice that we think we're making choices all day long, you know, like blue's my favorite color and I go here for my latte. And we think we're making choices all the time, but we're not making choices. Uh, our patterns are making the choices for us. And Philip, our, our yoga teacher, I remember in, this was really my first introduction into this idea of the myth of choice. He would say, you're not even living your own life. You're not even living your own life because the patterns that have been ingrained in, in the neural pathways that have been grooved into your brain are living your life for you. And so it's not until we move into conscious awareness or the conscious mind and really begin to nurture that part of us, the conscious mind, where we're like seeing like, oh my God, 
how does it feel if I go get my latte at this other place? Like, if I'm really honest with myself, I kind of feel like I don't trust the latte, you know? And it's just, that's a really small example that pays big dividends because you're, you're in, in the conscious mind, you're making a choice to break that pattern. We talked to Bob about this yesterday at length about the relationship between breath and thoughts and how when we start to move the breath consciously, because if you guys haven't noticed, if you're listening to this, you might have been listening to this so far without any conscious activation of your own breath. Like your breath is just moving in and out, in and out. And I know for me, my breath's just been moving in and out, in and out. I can honestly say, I don't think I've been consciously breathing. But when we bring conscious activation to our breath, we break up that pattern. As we break up that pattern, we also break up thought patterns because now our attention is on the breath and not on the thoughts. So things start to break up. They start to break up. And that begins to create that space between stimulus and response. Because if you're talking about training for your fastest marathon, if you want to qualify for Boston, if you want to qualify for the world championship at any level, you need to break up the patterns that have kept you from doing that thus far. And uh, the breath is the perfect place to start. But the myth of choice is such an interesting thing to contemplate. And you don't even need to read a book to contemplate it. You can just contemplate it after listening to this podcast. You've got all the tools to contemplate. Like you don't need to read a book or take a seminar or get a certification. Like just start to contemplate a very simple thing like this concept of am or question curiosity, am I, am I making choices or is there something else that is making choices on my behalf, my history, essentially? So right now you're listening to this podcast, either in the car, on a run, somewhere, hit pause and then play it again. So now you, you interrupted just listening to the podcast. And I know I told you to pause it, which is probably the worst thing to do because you want to listen to it. <laughs> but in your mind, there's a whole flood of things that go in that, that happen there. You're like, well, I want to keep listening. I want to, there's more to this. There's, uh, this is my time to, to get it all in. And when you press pause like that, you're interrupting. And then a new f- set of preset thoughts come in saying like, well, why do I have to pause it? Why, am I, why can't I listen to it? So that right there is getting off the train of habit. So listening to this podcast is super important, of course, because of all the, all the fun stuff that we talk about and, and inspiration that you may take away from it, but also because we challenge you. We challenge you to, to interrupt any pattern that isn't serving you. And a lot of it is exactly what you're talking about, which is just habit. It's habit, habit, habit. Uh, this last week when you were gone, I noticed so many habits that I had here in shopping, in uh, moving in the morning, um, going into the cabinets in the fridge, and really challenged myself to be in that moment of choice that says, yeah, I can run up to the store and get something. But if I just look at what we have, I can probably make something tonight and not have to leave. And I was able to do that many times. You definitely have that habit. Like, I'm just going to go to the store. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why are you going to the store? 
I can totally make something. And the perfect example was last night when you were like, I'm going to come home with pizza crust, but you just get everything prepared. And I was like, okay. And I opened up the fridge and I was like, there's literally like nothing in here. There was nothing in the vegetable drawers except for spinach. So I'm like, okay, well, what's in the freezer? Frozen broccoli, frozen spinach, and frozen um, peppers. peppers, which in your mind, you'd be like, the peppers are for burrito night and the broccoli and the spinach is for my smoothie bowl. So those cannot be used for pizza. But I was like, oh, amazing. And then I've got tempeh. I had one package of tempeh. So I'm like, I'll brown that up really good. Put a ton of spices on it. And then, which I love the Trader Joe's 21 seasoning spice, which that came from my mom. Thanks, mom. And um, if you are like to keep your cabinets pretty minimal, uh, that's a great one to just have. It, it will take care of a lot. And then I took the broccoli and the peppers and I just turned the pan on super high and then threw it all in there and it just sizzled up and, you know, defrosted and cooked up. And then um, we had some delicious hummus and I chopped up all the spinach and we had this great pizza last night. But it was so interesting because I said, what would you have done, VJ? And what did you say? I would have texted you to say, <laughs> you're going to the store. Can you get some peppers? Some Can you broccoli? get some peppers, some broccoli? <laughs> some but that's, this is it. This is, this is getting off that that habit train and not that any of it's bad. It's just, again, do you have a choice? I always have a choice always, but the mind really fast tracks, uh, things to do every day because it wants to be efficient. It just wants to say, keep the stuff in the freezer for the smoothie bowls, keep the stuff in the, uh, crispers in the, in the fridge for everything else. Well, isn't that like control in a way? I, yeah, for sure. Like if I know I have my like that broccoli is for this well, and, and it's not it. for other things. Then you don't have to think about it again because that's, you've already, you've purchased it for that. That's what it's for. Well, it happened again this morning when I was feeding Clark and I realized he didn't have any of his like little fruit compote. So I was like, oh, there's blueberries in the fridge. And you were like, those blueberries are for my smoothie. <laughs> like, those blueberries are for my smoothie. But I used the blueberries that were for your it's smoothie, so assigned so as, as smoothie blueberries. I'm a good example. I'm a great example <laughs> of compartmentalizing foods. It's really good. So back to what I did while you were away, it was super easy. I would just take <laughs> quinoa and make it and then steam some veggies and then throw in. And I had a frozen lentil burger, burgers that I had made and frozen. That was my meal basically every night. Super simple, easy. But there's a, there's a benefit to that, but there's also like a pattern, a routine. Yeah, but I'm probably going to, you're going away this weekend and I'm here this weekend because I need my, I really am craving I've been some. asked to leave. You've been asked to leave. And although I've been invited <laughs> several times to go to Arizona, I'm not going to Arizona. I'm going to land because I still need to shake off some of the travel and, you know, sleeping in my childhood bedroom. There's a lot that comes with that. And, uh, I'm still kind of shaking all that stuff off and metabolizing the experience. So, um, but I'm probably going to do very similar thing. Cause I really, I want a lot of silence this weekend. And, um, so here I am planning, I don't know what I'm going to want, but in the past I have gone really simple with like probably eating the same thing. If I make a pizza, I'll eat it Friday night and I'll eat it Saturday night. Yeah. Big salad. So we'll see. We'll see. There's nothing wrong with those things. It's just noticing. It's like, it's noticing like, 
okay, well, what if I use the broccoli for the pizza instead of the smoothie? Like, is that, do I feel uncomfortable with that? Okay. Well, it's no big deal. I'm going to do it. And just that, let that uncomfortability be there. But it's like, we're hardwired for this, you know, we're hardwired for efficiency and energy conservation. So that says when the only thing that's in the freezer for vegetables is broccoli and peppers, and those are supposed to be for other meals, you know, it's like, that's, that's the energy conservation. Cause what happens when you go to make your smoothie and those things aren't in there, you have to get creative. So it's not like, we're not going to override the efficiency, but it's bring more robustness to your conscious mind. And then you'll, I think you really begin to step into what is possible in life, like your fastest Ironman to date. Yeah. So back to that. Um, yeah, really excited about that. I, I no, that that's not really. It's kind of blah. Like I'm really excited about it. Um, what does it feel like? Go into the feeling. It's so exciting. It's pa- I'm passionate about being on a course I've never been on before. Where do it's, you feel that in your body? In my heart. In my heart. In my heart. Does it feel heavy? Does it feel no, light? No, super light. Super light. Does it feel like fluttery? Does it feel smooth? yeah? There's swirly. There's some swirliness, but that's the excitement. So excitement and fear come from the same part of the brain. You can choose one or the other. I'm focusing on the excitement of it and have been for years. And I've worn that pattern now where I, 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 I treat that swirliness that I feel inside as excitement for something good, not the anticipation of something bad. And that's a really profound shift in mindset that happened. I don't even know when, but has really altered the, the journey, the path of my life. Um, so this excites me. It's a course I've never done. Uh, I'm going after something really big. I'm going to have athletes there racing as well. You're not going to be there. Um, I, I've got plenty of time to lead up to this thing. And um, I'm bringing all of, all of you along that are on the Patreon community to, to join in on this, to, to be a part of it. Uh, there's going to be moments, there already has been moments of bliss and moments of uh, hesitation, as I shared with, you know, wanting to go longer. Um, I had this euphoric feeling on Monday morning when all of a sudden my shoulder had loosened up and I didn't feel anything like, and I had this, I get it why athletes get so overwhelmed and joyed when they feel good in their bodies. Like I understand that so well. And this was a reminder for that. But also as it, as it trickled back into sensation again, later that afternoon and into the next day, knowing that things are constantly changing. So along this journey to my fastest Ironman, the goal will always be to be my fastest, but how I get from here to there is there's a plan. There's a structure, a blueprint, but there's also the curiosity that whatever unfolds, I trust, like your mom does. I trust and believe that it's all for my best benefit and that I'll achieve that on race day, no matter what, you know, whether I get in four bikes or 10 bikes, it doesn't matter. Uh, it's, it's kind of already all laid out for me. I just am going up, stepping along on the journey, witnessing and experiencing this path that's been provided for me. So yeah, I'm ex- I'm super fired up about it. To be honest, 
Yeah, Iron Man mm. too. I uh, I totally believe in you, and I know there's people who know you also believe in you and want this. I know a lot of people who want this so bad for you. So um, it's really beautiful. You have a lot of support and a lot of people who love you. So um, yeah, let's do it. How about you? Uh, well, we're going to wrap this up. Okay. <laughs> well, what do you have on the horizon? Give, give us a snapshot of what you got on the... Okay. Uh, I'm really excited, <laughs> not scared to death. No, I'm really excited. My next travel is going to be going to Patagonia, Chile mm. for the yoga adventure along the Futulufu River. We're going to be rafting and kayaking and supping and hiking and some, I think, pretty easy mountain biking just to like the next put in location. So um, nothing crazy there, but uh, really... You know, I love water and the power of water and I'm going straight into it and I'm leading this yoga adventure and I'm really, really excited to do that. And then we have a great crew of people going up to Ironman, Oregon, um, 70.3 Oregon. So I'll be up there with uh, teammates. I got a house. We got some uh, teammates that have gone in on that and uh, that'll be the same weekend that you're with a bunch of athletes uh, from Team Yogi Triathlete at Lake Placid. But right now I'm just landing. I'm landing from the trip and, um, you know, it's just landing gently and transitioning. Uh, and I did a post about that yesterday on Instagram about how it would have been so easy for me to come back and just grind yesterday all day. But the sun was out and I had been in the, you know, in New England in November and there was rain and it was chilly and the ceiling has started to drop. And um, there were some beautiful sunny days as well. And the trees are gorgeous. But, um, you know, yesterday I was like, let's go to the pool. And we went to the pool in the middle of the day and, you know. I didn't get, I had like this whole list. I'm like, today I'm going to achieve. And I don't think I achieved any of it. But what I did achieve was uh, a masterful transition back. And I'm going to continue that today. And just allowing yourself that time to land. Yeah, it's super important. And it's great mind training because those impulses to like, oh, you get, get, get back at it. You got to do this. You got to do this. You got like this whole list of things. You got to get, you haven't returned these emails. Whew. It's like, whoa, that feels like crap. Um, I want to land and be, uh, have my feet on the ground and then move from there. Well, it's good to have you back. Yeah, thanks. We missed you. Yeah, yeah. Well, you miss me. I don't know if anybody else did. Yeah, I think we may have uh, reached a new <laughs> level of bonding, if, if anything. Well, I'm going to take back the lead on that bonding this weekend, right, Clark? All right, you guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you want to tune in to Beej's journey to the fastest Ironman yet, get over to Patreon. Five bucks a month if you're enjoying the show. Like It's a pretty nice exchange. Um, and of course, there's other tiers and lots of perks and uh, all that good stuff out there. So hope to see you over there. But thank you so much for tuning in today. We're incredibly grateful for your loyalty to the show and, um, and if there's anything you want to dive into any curiosities that are left over from this episode, please DM us at Yogi Triathlete on Instagram, Yogi Triathlete at gmail.com, uh, Yogi Triathlete on Facebook and let us know. And we'll dive into that for you. This is a great opportunity for you to expand your mind, further your training. And, uh, as BJ has been coining these days, be better. Be better.